there in Bourbon Real Talk land, Randy Sullivan, coming to you today with probably my most famous guest. Oh. I would, I would, I would suggest, I think so. I think you're probably the most hey. famous guest. We have Ken Hamlin here, former professional football player, and you were a pro bowler too, weren't you? I did, I did snag a, a, a pro bowl. Snagged a pro bowl, a pro bowl right? Definitely, definitely. Right? And, uh, and, and also a cigar extraordinaire and we're going to talk a little bit about that today yes sir so welcome to the show uh so basically you see what happened was uh we got connected through rodney yeah who co-founded someone say whiskey with with me Mm -hmm. and rodney apparently likes to collect uh retired professional sports players these days and uh he's just been meeting everybody and i was coming down here to uh houston to pick the third batch of the Prideful Goat, which is going to be picked in a couple of hours, a few hours. And I said, you know what, why don't I swing on over and talk with Ken about some cigars because you've got some very exciting things going on, my friend. It's definitely, um, it's a new venture, a new avenue, um, and, and definitely something that uh, has taken more of my attention uh, now that I've stepped away from football and, uh, you know, have time to sort of relax a little bit more and sort of see where the next, what the next lane is. And, uh, you know, this is something that I've been doing for 14, 15 years, smoking cigars, enjoying cigars. And then it sort of grew into the possibility of, of having a cigar, creating something. And, um, you know, being, a, being around, being in the lounges, going to some of the events that I've gone to, it has grown even more to where I got down to Dominican Republic got to be around the creators of, of, of some great cigars and uh, picking their brain. They're sort of seeing where I was coming from. And that just led to me sort of, you know, putting some, fi- some fillers out there to see who uh, could possibly be the ones that I produced on, that I created with and uh, narrowed it down to about three, three or four different uh, factories. And it was organically uh, made for me to uh, create this cigar at La Ora. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover. First off, bourbon, real talk, listeners and viewers. I have to apologize. I've got this old school microphone because <laughs> we have been having some technical difficulties, if oh, you yeah. will. So real quick, give people the brief rundown of your NFL career. What, what year did you come out? When did you join the league? Who'd you play for? For what years? That type of thing. So came out of Arkansas, uh, got drafted to the second round to Seattle. Second um, round, people. If y'all don't know, that's a big deal. It's pretty big. I, I, I um, you know what? I, of course, you always want to push to be a first round pick, and I mean, there's only 32 guys that can be a first round pick. So to to be in the next round of things and and actually still, uh, you know, be be a, a key piece to a team that at that time was starting to rebuild and put things together to go on a winning tradition, uh, it definitely was special. Uh, was four years in Seattle. Uh, then went to Dallas and uh, got to play with a, uh, you know, the, the organization, of course, you know, with the star and, and, and playing uh, on America's team was something that was big as, as well. And the guys that we had on that team, the talent that we had, uh, of course, Jerry, me and him having a relationship and, and knowing each other since I was playing in college, um, that sort of made it even a, a better fit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just it grew from there because I got to actually develop a comfort zone of playing a position, playing in the different arenas and in playing on a stage that was big 
taking it to Dallas with the talent that we had and to grow that and build it into the team that we built it into. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I, I made it to the Pro Bowl. Um, and we had that, that year we had 13 guys that made it to the Pro Bowl, which was a crazy number. Um, but, but guys had great years that, that year. And then uh, finished my career uh, with a year in, in uh, Baltimore and Indianapolis. That, it, well, and I have a confession to make. I loved the Dallas Cowboys growing up as a kid, but I was just a casual watcher. I did go to Super Bowl 28 wow. in Atlanta, watched uh, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills, and my dad was friends with the owner of Ticketmaster in Dallas, <laughs> and we got to go to the Super Bowl, but we also got to go to the after party. Oh, and yeah. so I, I, always special. I hung out with, like, all of them, right? Like Michael Irving oh, yeah. and Ken Norton. And you, I've, I've only been to one Super Bowl – and that was after I retired and was on the other side of the, uh, of the, of the camera where I was, I was talking about the game, um, let alone actually playing the game. So actually being, well, we played in the Super Bowl in, in, um, when I was in Seattle. We're not going to discuss that game because I still feel like we were, we were cheated. Sure. But back to what I was saying, but actually being at a game and, and being able to enjoy the game and, and watch it, I've only, I've only been to one, and, it, um, you know, that was the game. Uh, Seattle played New England, and uh, the interception by Russell at, at the end of the game that sort of turned things around. But, um, I mean, I, I, I've loved football, and I've loved all sports growing up. So uh, it, it's, it was definitely back to just being an honor to be a part of it. And, and uh, eight years just seems so short when you think about the span of life or whatever. It's still – I still – key I, I tell people all the time it's basically a part-time job hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean there i'm actually learning and that was kind of my confession is that while i've been a, a cowboys fan being you know from dallas i am not a huge sports mm -hmm. like junkie like i don't keep track of things i don't know who the cool players are today you know like rodney introduced me to somebody from the cowboys that's like super famous and everybody yeah. was like oh my god he's here and i was like i, I don't have a yeah I, like oh, yeah. I, I, but i respect see because i'm a business person right yeah. i was trying to count the number of businesses i own the other day i think it's five i don't i don't know it's it's it gets confusing some of them i own with other people continuously growing right it just grows right so so it. i'm i'm always out there hustling grinding and but but what people don't realize is that you know when you're in the nfl you are a business. You are your brand. Definitely. Right? And Jay Scott has a book coming out soon. And uh, I'm almost finished with it. It's not okay. even a long read. I'm just, I'm like having to break away from all the businesses that I run so I can yeah. take a break and, and read. And I'm learning so much. And I've, I've met a lot of people from the league. I sold a house uh, to a guy that um, he, just, he just got cut um, not too long ago. And what I'm learning is that just like in, in, every profession of every viewer that's out there, there's a hierarchy, right? And, you know, it's almost like when you're a kid, all doctors are like, they're, they're on the same level. They're yes. all doctors, okay? Yeah. But when you become an adult, you realize, well, some of them are brain surgeons and some of them, you know, only work at, uh, you know, doc in the box corner ER stores and they're not the same, right? And it's the same thing with the NFL and yeah. everything else is, and that's why I pointed out that you were a pro bowler because, you know, there's a lot of undrafted um, NFL players, right? Yeah. They got into the league. They were on the practice squad yeah. or whatever. 
Um, there's a lot. There's a lot more people who only practice that never played in a game yeah. than there are people who have Super Bowl rings, right? So, definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's it, in, in, in that hierarchy, you were kind of at the top of that food chain, um, it, at least, uh, yeah, I mean, you're at the top of the food chain. I mean, oh, yeah. anybody that disputed that, I mean, I, I, I feel like I could argue with them and win. Oh, yeah. And that's amazing. And, and that's, that's an accomplishment. But what a lot of people don't realize is that when you go into the NFL, and this is what I learned from Jay's book, you only get paid, is it 17 or 18 weeks 17 out of the weeks. 17 weeks out of the year, oh, yeah. right? And you got to file a tax return in every state that you play a game, and you've got a manager, and you got all this stuff, and you don't get to keep all of that money, <laughs> right? And you get used to those big paychecks, and then, like, you know, it can be a struggle, and you've got to have a plan because you're not going to play in the NFL until Forever. you're 70, yeah. right? And so in your after the NFL life, you have decided to start a cigar brand. Hey, Bourbon Real Talk watchers and listeners, Randy Sullivan with a real quick commercial break. So if you haven't noticed, this channel does not have any sponsors because I wanna be completely independent as I provide valuable information to you. And I also don't have a Patreon. So if you were wondering how you could support the channel, here's how, we have merch. So one of the things that we have that we're pretty excited about are these Glen lanyards. If you've ever gone to a whiskey tasting, this thing is clutch. Secondly, we have Bourbon Real Talk branded Glen Karens. Now, a lot of guys think candles are just for girls, but that's not the case because Bourbon Real Talk has been thinking about all of you men out there or women who like more masculine scents. And we have masculine scented candles. We've got leather, charcoal, and tonka. And as you get more excited about the whiskey enthusiast game, you're going to start to collect samples. And those samples are going to clutter up your shelf. So I made these lovely storage boxes. We have two sizes. They are actually solid wood. They come pre-stained. They hold 36 a piece. So we have one that's a one ounce and one that's a two ounce. But if you want the creme de la creme of Bourbon Real Talk merch, you're gonna to wanna to get one of these Bourbon Real Talk American Whiskey Aroma Kits. This has 36 different scents that would commonly be found in American whiskey. And this kit has actually made its mark on the world. There is one major Kentucky distillery, soon to be two. They use this kit to train their sensory team. So if you wanna get on that level, you can pick up one of these. Now, if you're just a casual listener and you don't want to pick up any merch and you just want to come and you want to learn, I'm happy to have you as a listener. But if you want to support the channel, best way to do it is to head over to bourbonrealtalk.com forward slash shop and pick something up. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I have other, other business ventures, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I think this is the one that sort of takes a lot of my attention and, and, and I don't mind it. I actually want, it has to, your heart. Yeah. I want to be a part of it. I want to actually grow it, you know, and, and see that baby like grow up. Um, so this is the one thing that I, I have really focused on. And, and, and of course, one guy, one thing about guys that I that I've sort of dealt with from when I was just getting into the league and and then while I was still playing a little bit is that they always told me to have have a plan and get something going before you end because you never know when that end is going to happen. Right. Um, my end happened uh, the lockout season. I decided to call it call it quits. Now that was a time when the entire change of the league was coming, where it was more about safety. It was more about you know the big hits weren't happening anymore. Now I play safety, and 
you know, I for you know, I uh, my nickname was the Hammer, so that couldn't work in, in this day. In this day You're like, what, a, like what, what's my value at now? No, yeah, no, I, they needed me to be something less than a Hammer, and, and that that just wasn't the way that I played. So, a lot of guys that played that way, it, it just was it was a time for the change, and the league was changing, so it went to a different direction. So, I had other things sort of going on, and and but they didn't really need my attention. So sure. this was something that I, yeah, this yeah. was something that I was able to actually, you know, go down and be a part and learn and really you know, do the same thing I did with football, which is learn the, 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 the basics, grow, grow my knowledge of it even more, try to perfect it as much as I can, still learning way, way, I'm still a long way away from being, you know, perfect and, and perfecting it. But, uh, to the point where I, I sort of had an understanding on what was going on, what it is, what I wanted, and what I wanted to share with others. Sure. So you and I kind of had similar paths that we, we made our money in one field, right? And then our, uh, one of our hobbies became a passion, and that passion grew into an opportunity. Yeah. So I don't know if y'all noticed, I'm not smoking a cigar, <laughs> right? And y'all have seen me smoke a cigar before, but I do have to go pick the prideful goat batch three yes and since i'm not a consistent cigar smoker i've discovered that when i smoke a cigar it blows my palate out for a couple days so i'm not i'm and also i have low nicotine tolerance so sometimes i get nauseous and it runs Uh. the rest of my day so so i am drinking the whiskey but ken doesn't drink yeah right and so together it's like we're the perfect duo oh yeah I mean, you're yeah. getting a little bit of everything. Balance it out. Balance it out. You gotta have he got the balance. cigar. I got the whiskey. He's black. I'm white. If you put it all together, it's like we're the full package. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, I got jokes. So, same thing happened to me, right? I love whiskey. Yeah. I start, you know, getting deeper and deeper into it. And then I end up figuring out, like, oh, there's a way for you to start your own brand of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped co-found uh, the Prideful Goat with Christopher Hart right here in Houston. Okay. Uh, shout out to Christopher Hart and Houston Bourbon Society. Uh, largest geographical whiskey club in the world from what I understand. Um, and I am a proud member of that group. Uh, also helped uh, co-found Unallocated mm-hmm. uh, for Someone Say Whiskey with Roddy Smith and the rest of the crew there. Yeah. So that was great. And so what was your path? To go from, you know, probably enthusiast into, hey, there's a way that I can bring something to this market. Well, I think, you know, wh- where we're at now sort of started it. Being in a cigar lounge, uh, you know, sort of just being around like-minded people who were from different paths, uh, going to some of the events that are, you know, some of the conventions, uh, the IPCPR, which is like a convention for cigars, or the, the Big Smoke, which is another big event for cigars. Um, and then just being around events uh, in the cigar lounge, and then taking that and going to uh, you know the Pro Cigar Fest in Dominican Republic, and being in an area that is heavy in just you know cigars and tobacco, and uh, being in Santiago in D- Dominican Republic, it is basically cigar country. Um, so up there, you are really like diving into what cigars are about, what it is, and and uh, so I got to be every day, all day, nine to five in the factory learning from the seed all the way into the box and learning everything in between. And uh, that, that sort of started the, the, the curiosity of, of, of the possibility of something happening. Um, I got to a point where I ended up ordering some, uh, some tobacco from uh, a guy in Alaska, and I started growing it in my backyard. 
Now, my wife thought it was, I had them in the Peachtree distance in, in, in the garage. Um, for a moment, she thought I was growing weed. It, it, was, it was a whole thing. But, um, you know, that was just, you know, sort of wanted to see what could happen with it. And I think that sort of grew it even more. And I think that the guys that I was seeing in Dominican Republic, too, they sort of seen and was hearing the stories about me doing that. And so they saw that I was actually you know, interested in being a part of the entire process. Um, which, which became fun to me to really learn every little piece and be a part of every piece and be a part of every piece of putting this together too. Yeah, it, it, for me, my, when I got started in it, it was not because I wanted a business, right? It was because I saw an opportunity to create something cool yeah. for other people to experience. Yeah. Would you say that was your path was as well? It. I mean, it, if, if it came down to it and I had basically 10,000 personal sticks because I couldn't sell it, I'd be okay with that. Right. But I wanted to create something, whatever, that we can sort of get together, we can smoke, and everybody has their, their thing that they like about it. So th th it's cool to actually, when I was bringing samplers back and to sit down with the guys or whatever and let them smoke it and sort of see what their reaction to it was. And then you know, bring back another batch that's a little bit different. Let's smoke that one, see what that is. So, to get that feedback from a lot of guys in the lounge, it, it became a, a cool thing because I knew that I was on a, a, a path of creating something that was okay because I'm starting to get this guy, he's a heavier smoker, he likes it. This guy's a lighter smoker, he likes it. So it, 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 I started seeing that, you know what, this is something that could, could work. Um, but it was just cool to be in the factory and actually putting it together and saying, you know what, it, like this is something, somebody else is smoking. Right. That, that made it more fun um, because, you know, you know, you're creating something and you're getting your peers to say, you know what, uh, that was that was a good job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My only experience at, at that level was I went to Gray Cliff in the Bahamas. Yep. And I, I went with a couple cigar smokers. One was, a, you know, he collected, you know, mm -hmm. he, he knew his stuff. And I got to watch in the rolling room while they were rolling. And there's just something about that it's oh, yeah. it's art you know it's like you you watch it and it just i mean you see that talent and that passion you know yeah. and then and i've learned a little bit about cigars just you know i meet a lot of cigar people mm -hmm. being in the in the whiskey space and there's a lot of similar similarities between building the flavors of a cigar and the way that you build the flavor yes, of a whiskey definitely um and and so who plays that role for you like, who decides what type of leaves are going to be your binder and what type of leaves are going to be your filler and all that stuff? Like, are you heavily involved in that? Do that's, you that's me. Now, uh, Manuel Anoa, who's the master blender for Laura, now, he'll give me a look here and there when I start throwing stuff together that makes <laughs> no sense. So, so he's sort of that guide. Um, but he allows me. He's to, like to, the bumpers when yeah, you when, when you put the bumpers exactly. up when you're bowling. Yeah, bowling yeah. He's like, don't don't, don't get do in the that. gutter. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so you know, I, uh, there's some that I've come. I, I, I started put, playing with. He's like, he's giving me a look like, try it, but mm, I don't mm. know. So you have, I mean, Guillermo Leon is the head of Laura. He's a guy that has a palate out of this world. Manuel Noah, he's been doing it. He's been a master blender for almost 30 years. So he, they know their stuff, and that was the one thing that made it a great fit for me is that I have them sort of overseeing like what I'm doing and sort of giving me sort of tips here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm putting it together. They're saying yeah, maybe, even with this blend, we, um, you know, 
I, I had a couple of different variations of it. And when we finally finished with this blend, I, they brought in about a, a 30 pack, a sample pack, and I grabbed one out, Manny grabbed one out, and we were smoking it. Now he's on the phone and he's smoking, and I'm smoking it, and I'm enjoying it, but I'm waiting for that sort of like, okay, the like the great yeah. job. Yeah. And I'm, I'm almost about to hang the phone up so he can, he can talk to me or whatever, <laughs> and I'm waiting for him, waiting for him, and he finally like puts the phone down, he's like, I think we got something. That was sort of like, okay, now, so, you know, cause I mean, of course you can throw some stuff together and it can be, you know, the best to you, but, I, I, I want to, of course, I have cigars that I enjoy. Now, everybody doesn't, the best part about cigars, just like with bourbon, everybody doesn't have to enjoy it. Everybody has a different palate. It, it's not going to be for everybody, but I would like for it to be something, whatever that is. So, you know what? I mean, even though it's not for me or it's too, too heavy or too spicy or whatever, it was, it, it was constructed well. And right. That, and, that, and that's a plus for me. Sure, sure. So let's let's switch back to the NFL because some of the people that are going to watch this are only watching because they they know your NFL <laughs> career and they don't give a crap about bourbon and they don't give a crap about cigars. So go. let's keep them entertained. So, yes, um, I like to ask uh, best and and worst, um, and I like to end on positive notes. So yeah, let's start with the worst. Let's yeah, start yeah, with the yeah, worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> when you think back over your your NFL career, what was like? the most disheartening or the most difficult thing time. that you had to face, time that you had to face as an NFL player? Well, I like to challenge myself, I would say that. Uh, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, being a hardhead, it gives you the biggest challenge. Um, I think uh, the 2005-06 season, uh, you know, I had a life-threatening uh, situation. I almost lost my life uh, during the season. Um, so I... I was playing up until Halloween uh, weekend. That's when we actually played the Texans in Seattle. Um, uh, ended up winning the game. Everything was perfect. Uh, you know, this is the off the field part of it that, that um, you know, you don't really get to see a lot of. But ended up going out with family and friends. Uh, and a guy almost, he, he tried to take my life. Luckily, Things didn't work out, you know. I guess the manufacturer of that of that weapon wasn't wasn't on his p's and q's that day, and um, I, you know, I had a fractured skull. I had all type of different stuff going on, blood clots throughout my brain, um, to the point where I'm waking up in the hospital and they're telling me I might not play again. Um, in the hospital for a week, mom had to come, you know, to Seattle and stay with me for for over a month. Uh, I'm in the house, can't leave. Um, and really had to convince myself and convince the team and the doctors that I could actually get out there and play again. So I went through the entire year, and the, the crazy part is that this is the time, and it was sort of like a blessing and a curse because I think that incident brought our team together even more. It gave the team even more of a purpose to focus on football more than everything else. Um, and we ended up making a run to the Super Bowl. Uh, and the bad part about it, too, is that in that Super Bowl, I was on IR. I was, I was hurt and out for the year. My backup got hurt and was out for the year. And the third string was hurt and out for the year. So we had a practice squad guy playing and starting in the Super Bowl for his first game, which turned out, of course, if, you know, if you're the opposing offensive coordinator, you're going to attack. You're like, guy. yes, yeah. this is, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so they, 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 you are the weakest link. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they took advantage. They took advantage of that. And of course, you know, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't they? But it was frustrating for me because 
something that happens, you know, personally prior to that, yeah, affected your affected team, affected my team, affected me, affected every, you know, affected a lot of people because of what could have possibly happened. And, and um, you know, I look at sitting there watching from the sideline and not being able to help my team. That was that was definitely a, uh, a frustrating moment. Um, and it sort of it, it just gave me an even bigger drive, uh, you know, following that year to focus more, to be to be more intentional with certain things and, um, and to, to come back and actually get on the field. Um, because I had to travel throughout the country to go to different, I mean, I was going to see NASCAR doctors. I was going to see all type of people in Boston, Florida, just to sort of get an okay to see, you know, if I could actually be act back on the field again. So uh, when I finally got back on the field, I, I had a mindset that I had the biggest chip on my shoulder that I could possibly You're like, have. I'm going to show everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, even in practice, people knew, like, the play isn't over. Watch watch out for Ken because I'm, I'm coming from <laughs> everywhere. I'm not messing around with nobody. So it, um, yeah, it, definitely, it, it definitely zoned me in even more. So I use that, that sort of, uh, I mean, I, I always say people have wake-up calls. I mean, everybody has a certain wake-up call. Some that are a soft landing. You know, and some, they need a hard fall. And uh, I guess at that moment, I needed a harder fall than, than others to really get myself back in line with what I needed to be doing. Is your Wikipedia page accurate? Is it accurate? I don't know what it says, so I can't answer Okay, that all right. Well, the reason why I'm asking Does is it because... Does 85 or something? Or? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. But, uh, like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm the type of sports fan that if you say... Ken Hamlin, he played for the Cowboys. I'm like, I remember that. Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't remember what position you played or what years you were there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's the level fan I am, right? Okay. Like, real talk, that's, I'm, I'm admitting you're the truth. On the, you're right. on, the, on the top level. Just, uh, just no, 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 it's not top. It's no, like, just scratching the surface. I'm scratching really the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really yeah. haven't yeah. dug in. I yeah, got yeah, you. yeah, yeah. So, so um, and Rodney gets frustrated with me. He's like, I, I'm, I'm going to meet with so-and-so. And I was like, who's that? And he's yeah. like, really? He's like, are you... I'm going to He's like, are you fucking kidding me? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just don't like, I, I don't, I don't fall on that it. level. Right. I get it. And so when, when I looked you up, um, that was one of the first things that came up. And I think it was on your Wikipedia page. And uh, basically what I can it, say that whatever, what Wikipedia says is not the actual, event, the actual story. So what happened? No. Yeah. I, I mean, basically what I heard was that there was an, there was an altercation and somebody hit you with something. It was like a stop sign or something. It was a lot going on at night. Yeah. 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 And um, and <clears throat> it it caused like uh, fractured your skull. You know, well, serious. Prior to the, the the stop sign incident and all that type of stuff, um, actually, it was a man. It was a it was a crowd of people out outside, and um, people got agitated about crazy the craziest things. Um, and then while that's going on, I have, I have family and friends with me who are not accustomed to that type of life sure. stuff going on. So I'm trying to get them out of it, trying to get my brother and everybody out of it. And while I'm backpedaling, trying to get everybody sort of out of what's going on, there's a guy hiding behind the corner and he pistol whipped me. Okay. That's what brought me to the ground and brought all the other stuff, you know, to happen, whatever. So um, I guess it was a combination of that plus, you know, guys jumping on me after after that, whatever that that caused all the all the other issues. Was it sports related? Oh no, no. This, I mean, I, you know what? I can't say if that's that, that's the reason. I, I believe um, they had an alter, ulterior motive, whatever, in, in itself, because 
if you see how many people were outside and the, the, the area of the club that we were actually in was still full. Mm. There was not, it wasn't like the club. You're like, was why are there out. that many people out? It was just yeah. out. And the guy that actually pistol with me uh, had just, crazy thing, he, he had just got released from jail. He was on house arrest and was paying the, uh, the, the, the house arrest, whoever building he was staying in, to get out at night. Mm. So he wasn't even supposed to be out. And then, in, in turn, and, and for his decision to be out and to cause all of this ruckus, he ended up dying. He, somebody killed him an hour later. Yeah, it was a lot of craziness going on. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was an interesting evening, I can say that much. Wow. All right. Well, uh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. But actually, I, like, Bourbon Real Talk is about encouraging people, mm-hmm. right? Helping people feel connected, helping everybody understand they're loved. But also, I hope that I can help everybody become the best version of themselves. Of themselves, yes, right? indeed. That's, that's, that's my, I think that's why God put me on this earth, right? Is to encourage people to be the best version of themselves. Whatever that is, yeah. right? We can't all be Steve Jobs, you know, right? But, yeah. but you might need to be the best version of whatever you are to make this world work, right? And you can draw from those stories. And I got to be honest, man, when I meet somebody who's a very high performer, almost all of them have a story of a near career ending incident that they went through that they had to persevere. Definitely. And so that's why I tell my kids, you don't know that you're on the right path because you're not experiencing failure, right? Like, all all failure is the bumpers to bowling, right? Like, when you experience difficulty and failure, it's just trying to redirect you in another direction. It's not telling you to quit. No. Right? Definitely. And so, you didn't quit. You kept persevering. No. No, I actually, I, uh, I, I could recall, uh, you know, the doctors waking me up. So where I had the fracture in my skull was like where my speech pattern was. So they would wake me up and just say, hey, talk. And I really didn't understand what they were, you know, what they were doing or why. Um, so I, I can remember the first time he told me, because I was, me, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a little banged up, whatever. I got a headache. But I'm like, hey, look, you're like, I, I get hit I in got, the head all the I time. I'm good. Next yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, this is like, what are you doing? And for him to, him to tell me, like, that's not even important right now. Like, you know, we're talking about life, life-threatening stuff, but, like, football might not happen again. And I can remember telling him right there, like, you're a damn lie. Like, my mindset was already, whatever it is, you can give me whatever diagnosis you want to give me. I'm already on the path of mentally, first off, getting myself prepared to overcome whatever is going to be in front of me. And I think that's the biggest thing is that people see obstacles and they don't want to face them. They'd rather try to find a way out instead of actually conquering what's in front of them. And if you actually get the mindset first, you're mental, you, you, you beat yourself a lot of times mentally before it's anything physical. Sure. And I think that was the one thing with me is that mentally already knowing that, okay, I, am, I know what I'm about to do. I know what I'm going to do. Now, what, what is it? You know, what is it? Tell me what it is so that I can go ahead and know what I need to prepare for. Right. Because they weren't going to stop you no matter what. No. No. All right, so that's the, that's the darkest moment <laughs> of your NFL yeah, career. Yeah. I'm sure that you had some amazing moments. So let's oh, talk yeah. about what was maybe, like, the, the proudest moment or the, the – the, I hate to use the word greatest moment because you had so many great moments. Yeah. But, like, when I, when I say what was the highest point from your NFL career, even if it was draft day, 
What was your highest point? Well, I think my highest point, I mean, me, me, uh, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and, and, and at my school, you're not really having, you know, any type of people before me to sort of say, yes, that's what I want to do or want to be like or want to. So, I, I mean, I had to set my own goals. I had to really, like, you know, achieve certain things and then set more goals. So I think the biggest thing for me, of course, draft day was great, um, you know, and it was sort of surreal because I really didn't, it didn't hit me right away. Um, but to be able to, you know, move my mom and buy her house, um, to be able to sort of feel that comfort of knowing that I can now, for what she's done for me, I can now sort of help her. Not, it's not about trying to, you know, make sure to take care of her all the, all the way, whatever, but to really say, you know what, now I got you. Um, I think that was the biggest moment. And of course, it had to do with my play because so many people, to me, whatever, to accomplish a goal is not to relax. That's, right. not the, that's not the moment to relax. In fact, that's when you push the pedal that's to the metal. That's when you actually push yeah. even further, whatever, because I set that goal not to get to there. It's something way higher. But it's just a, it's just a pedestal. It's just, it's just a certain plateau that you get to now. Okay, now I got to push even further. It's like going to, going to Mount Rainier or anything, trying to climb a mountain. You get to certain areas where you got to rest for a little bit, but the, the task isn't over. So I always set goals, and, and, and I don't ever get to that moment and be like, okay, whew, now I can chill. No, because that's why it's so many guys that make it to the league, but that's not the goal. The goal is to actually have a full career, to have, you know, to build it out even further from there. So I didn't relax once I got draft day wasn't, okay, whoo, I made it. Yeah. It was like, okay, now whose job am I taking? Right, <laughs> like, like, right. Okay, now, you know, now I got to start. Now I have to do this. So, I mean, I've had you know great moments. I mean, uh, my first my first month, uh, I, I was I, I was player of the, player of the month, defensive player of the month, because um, I came out and was I mean, I came out with a, it. Was, there was a whole other chip on me. I find ways to have chips on my shoulder to just get pissed <laughs> off for whatever reason. So yeah, so it channeled that, that energy. Round pick. Oh hell, no, I should have been first round. Right. I mean, like, so that type of stuff would all. I always try to push myself even further. That's beautiful. That, you know, I think we can all learn a little bit from that. So I'm going to ask a follow-up question then. Were you ever happy in the NFL? Happy. I'm happy every time. I, the, the most exciting excitement that I get is coming out of the tunnel. Okay. You got to realize it's 70, 80. You know, in college, it's, it could be 100 and some thousand people. And my thing is that it didn't matter if it was home or away. Whether they were booing, all 100,000 booing me, or all 100,000 cheering me, I, I, it gave me that excitement um, and that feel of like, wow, like, think about it. It's everybody, all of those people got those, their eyes on you in that moment. Wow. That's the one, like, I mean, you think that's the one time where they are really just all focused in on you, whatever. You get your name announced, you get up, and then, you know, to, to look up and, you know, you, your mom, my mom, my brothers, my sister, they all, they're in the stands, or whatever, to be able to come and watch, you know, the performance. Um, th that, that right there gave me that, that sort of chill. I would always, my hands would always sweat. My, I, I was still a nervous wreck, whatever, regardless. But I, I, that, that gave me that excitement because I knew what was about to happen. The reason why I ask is that I realized a while back ago, and I, I brought up Steve Jobs earlier, I read his, his biography. Mm -hmm. That man was never happy. Oh, 
He was miserable. Because Al- he was always thinking of the next, next thing. thing. Like, he couldn't, he always. could never feel good about what he accomplished. Yeah. All he could think about was what he hadn't accomplished yet. And I'm seeing a little bit man. of that in you, man. Cause, cause, you know, <laughs> even when you win a game, even when you win a game, you know, I get in the car, you know, my family will be there, so they're getting in the car with me, and they're like, man, great job. You know, you did so well. And this, but my mind, I'm thinking about that mess That missed you know, tackle oh, yeah, I, or, you know, that yeah. or that. You know, you start I critiquing that yourself ball. Yeah. even more. Because it's like, you know what, no, that wasn't good enough. Even though you, you could have had a great game. You know, you had two, two interceptions. Well, I could have had three. You know, you, you know, you think about, oh, you know, I had that, whatever, but I could have recovered that fumble. I could have made that tackle. So you start thinking of all the other things that could make you better, which would make everybody else better, too. So you live with a lack of acceptance of mediocrity, mediocrity or even, like, a lack of – everything has to achieve excellence. It's all about trying to get to that excellence. I right. mean, even, even with the cigars, I mean, I, I always – started out with saying this isn't an athlete line right i know like people like to put people in boxes or whatever like okay these are the athletes and these are the cigars no i i didn't want to have and that's why i feel like going the direction that i went going down the dominican republic being there being a part of it learning and and you know going through all of the different steps and stuff is because i don't want to be okay this is this group and then this is that group I want to be considered in the same group. Whether it, whether it be they are here and I'm here, I'm going to work my way up. But I don't want to be considered just that because then they label you a certain way, a, a different way. Um, I, even playing football, whatever, I, I, I consider myself an athlete, not, Joe, oh, you're just a football player. Uh, no, because, uh, I mean, it, it takes a lot to sit there and play the game. It's not just physical. There's so many guys that were faster than me, so many guys that were stronger than me. But if they can't do this up here, then you'll never take my job. Right. Like, and so it, it's so many things that go into it that you got to make sure that you try to perfect and be great at all of it in order to sit there and say, I don't know how many, th- how many thousands have played in the game now, but it's a small number of people who can actually say they stepped on the NFL field and played. So it, it, you have to sort of better yourself and continuously get better. It, it, they critique you every day. Mm-hmm. After every practice, or whatever they're going in there to watch you and sit there and say, "Okay, is he slowing down? Like he's getting older, or whatever." <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's every day that this is happening. So you got to make sure that you are perfecting yourself every day. And that—that that was my the question I was driving at is, how do you feel like that pursuit of excellence has influenced what you're doing with your cigar brand? Oh yeah, because I don't—I I mean, I don't want to listen. I know that so many times, whatever, when you're around a group, especially your group of people. Sometimes whatever you can get that, oh, it's good, it's good, it's great. And then my thing is that I always want that when I'm not here, when I'm not around and they end up grabbing that stick out of the humidor and they can say, you know what, it's a hell of a stick. I had a review from a guy, he was from either like Utah, I mean, and white guy, white guy from Utah, he's never known me, I mean, never at all. He did a video, he went to Tampa, Davidoff in Tampa is a huge spot. Went there, he said, I normally go here to grab a stick that I know I can't get in Utah or wherever he was from. Um, and I always try to grab something that just pops off the shelf. And he was like, I grabbed this one. He didn't know who the hell I was, whatever he knew. It was right, his influence cigar. wasn't your history. It, it had nothing to do with me. Right, he just wanted to grab something. Grab something that popped off the shelf, whatever, and he smoked. He said, man, this is box worthy. 
that's what I like. I mean, that's what I want. It's not about whatever, oh, you, you like it because of Ken. No, I want this to be able to stand on its own. So when I'm not here, with it, that, when they smoke it, they still say, you know what, this is, I like this cigar. Now, you know, I'm going to push it because it is my brand, whatever. but I want it to when I leave, when people are coming around and they're trying it, it's, it's about this, not, about, not just about me. Well, one of the problems that we have in the whiskey space is celebrity whiskeys, mm. right? What happens is, is the, the celebrities, managers, or whatever, they go, hey, whiskey's real popular right now. Yep. You should start a whiskey brand. You should do it. Right? And then, and then Peyton goes out and buys $45 a bottle. Uh, what is it? Uh, George Dickel puts it in his label. Sweetens Cove for $180 a bottle. And ships it out. And it sells out. Yeah. Right? Because people want Peyton's whiskey. They want Peyton, yeah. But those of us that are in the know know that 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 whiskey gets bottled at $45 a bottle all the time. Right? And then you have other brands that are celebrity brands where they took the time. Yeah. They took the time to to learn the craft. Um, You know, this might be a little bit controversial, but... I'm pretty close with the Belfours. It started Belfour Spirits. Eddie Belfour was, you know, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer. Yeah. Brought the Stanley Cup to Dallas Stars uh, as their goalie. And his son went to school to learn to be a distiller. And they got him internships and all that yeah. stuff. And they're not sourcing whiskey the way that I am with the Prideful Goat and Unallocated. They are contract distilling which is a much larger commitment, yeah. right? And they're having their whiskey custom-made for them in the hopes of one day making it themselves. And those are two different things. There's a money grab, right? Yes. And you can do it once, yeah. right? But you, you, you can only screw your customer one time. They'll oh, yeah. buy because it's got your have, name they on They have it. to eventually smoke but it But eventually they're going to smoke <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. in your case, or drink it in yeah. my case, and if it's not good, they're not going to buy it exactly. again. Exactly. Right? And so speak to that. If there's anybody out there that's like, oh, great, another celebrity brand. Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that's the initial. I, I, one of the first reviews that I had, and that was the first words, were another athlete with a cigar. And, and I don't even think he had tried my cigar yet. Um, he had got the notes from, from uh, uh, another publication that, that had published it and printed it. So... To, to start out with that is already, you're already judging off of just what you think this person is. Mm-hmm. I've always said, I played the sport. That was my profession. But I'm not just an athlete or just a football player. So, I mean, I, I have more going on up here than just that. Um, but I think that what you talked about, actually putting in the work, actually being able to say whatever that I, I, I actually went through the steps and didn't just say I want to just slap my, 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 my label mm-hmm. on a on a cigar and just throw it out there to just make some money real quick. If that was the case, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have went through the two or, two or three years of, of really the process behind the scenes to bring what it is now. Um, and and that's, what, that's what people eventually, you know, that's why I like to be hands-on with it as well because I get to tell that story. When you don't go through those steps, you don't have a story behind it. You don't have the, 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 the stories of being in a factory and, and, and dealing with all the different things you deal with, going out to the, to, to the fields and, and seeing all the different things going on, picking different, different blends and picking different tobacco and smoking them individually and doing that type of stuff. All that, all that builds a story that you can use 
to, to sort of give them information on what the cigar is and what you went through to actually create what they're smoking now. That, that in itself, whatever, I think builds a lot of confidence in people who are the consumer who you're going to be selling to because they know this wasn't no BS. This wasn't something that was always a shortcut. Let me just get some money real quick and throw it out there. I'm going to throw some money at it so I can gra grab a couple of people who to buy it and give me a following. That wasn't it. I want people to actually smoke it and give me their, their opinion on it. And, and the confidence that I have that when they do, it's going to be some type of enjoyment because I know what I put in it. That there is more enjoyable than just the shortcut of trying to get, and like you said, that's controversial. Listen, I always say this too. There is a lane for that. That's just not the lane that I'm in. And that's not the lane that I want, I don't want, that I want to be in because I don't want to be considered just this guy. I want to be right. put on more of a bigger scale to where you know that just like at one point in time, Padron, who, who's been, that cigar's been around for years, Placencia, been around for years, they at one point had a starting point. That's not to say that they didn't know what they were doing or that they weren't going to learn, but that's the same with me, whatever. It's a starting point, whatever, but just because I'm an athlete, that doesn't mean that it changes my starting point compared to some of the big names that are in the cigar industry. So if you're one of those individuals that's having the thought that this may just be another celebrity brand, just smoke the cigar. Definitely. Right? Smoke Definitely. the cigar. If you don't like it, don't buy another one. Exactly. That, that, but see, that, that's the confidence you got to have to put yourself out there. Not to say, because the ones who might make that shortcut, like you said, you only got one time. Right, one and release. It's like, oh, no, and they're going to keep it moving. When you have the confidence of what you put in it and you got that, that history behind it, then you don't mind somebody actually grabbing your stick and smoking it and actually sit there and watch them smoke it. Tell me what you think. You don't have, that confidence is still going to be there because you know what you put into it. Sure. Well, one of the other things that I've learned about the whiskey industry is that it, it, or at least the whiskey space, maybe not the industry, the enthusiast community, is that whiskey brings people together. And many episodes ago, I had a buddy of mine on named Philip, uh, Philip Robertson, and we discussed Black Lives Matter, things yep. like that. So when this channel first started, it's called Bourbon Real Talk. I... I'm not even sure I've ever told the story before, but uh, Philip and I were working out. And when we got done working out, we'd always do cardio. We'd just jibber-jabber, right? Pass the time. And I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to get on board with this Black Lives Matter thing, but I'm going to be honest, as a white man, I don't understand it very well. And I got some questions. Yeah. So we started discussing. There were some things that he enlightened me on, right? And there were some things that I still didn't understand after yeah. he explained it, right? And that was cool. That's part of the process. And I thought, what if we use whiskey to do that, right? Because not everybody has that experience. Yeah. And so originally my idea was I was going to connect people with people while we drank whiskey, right? And so I'd have people on of various backgrounds. I'd have Black Lives Matter supporters. I'd have law enforcement. I'd have lesbians. I'd have gay dudes. I'd have, you know, all this stuff. Because I realized that. You know, for a long time, I only hung out with the people I went to church with. Exactly. And so I never got exposure to anybody that was different from me. And I lived in an echo chamber. I only heard the same things all the time. Yep. And so I started producing uh, podcasts that were, you know, meant to expose people to other viewpoints and other ideas. And then very quickly, I realized that that doesn't work because when I do the Black Lives Matter episode... Only people who support Black Lives Matter watch it. And, so and when I do the law enforcement episode, only people who support law enforcement watch it. 
And it, it, I was just spinning my wheels, yeah. right? And then, and then I realized, okay, if I just connect people to whiskey, the whiskey will do the rest. Yes. Right? I just got to get people connected to whiskey. Now, I've noticed that there seems to be a similar thing in, in cigars. And when I go to cigar lounges, the percentage of African-American people at the cigar lounge is greater than what I see when I go to the grocery store. Yeah. Right? And so do you feel like cigar has a connected power? Definitely. And I think that when you think about cigars and, and bourbon or whiskey, they, they, they sort of coincide. So, I mean, I think that cigars bring a lot of different people together. Um, when you go into a cigar lounge and you go to different ones, I mean, everybody still has the same common bond, which is the cigar. They can come from so many different walks, so many different cultures, but what brought them in is that one thing. And now you can start sharing a lot of the other things that you might that you might think or believe or whatever case may be while you're sitting there and have these different conversations that you wouldn't have passing by somebody, like you said, at a grocery store or anything else. So you get to sit down and meet somebody new. You can network with so many different people. You can have so many different type of conversations in this setting and you still have that one common goal, and that's what actually brought you to that area, brought you to that location. And that's the one thing that, you, that, that it's enjoyable about is that you never know who you're gonna walk into. You never know who you're gonna see. You never know who you're gonna meet. And uh, the, it could be one quiet guy in the back, whatever. It could be the most influential guy in the entire city or state, whatever. That's and been my said, experience. And, and, and exactly, and, he, <laughs> and that, that's what brought him to, the, to this experience is the same thing that you enjoy. Right, I, I've, I've gone to cigar lounges just, you know, associated with someone's whiskey. <laughs> I met somebody, and then, like, I leave, and they're like, do you know who that was? Yeah. And they tell me, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. That dude, like, runs the world in this yep. particular area, right? Uh, so, so that's pretty awesome. So given that, that cigars have a connective power and they bring people together, and you've traveled, right? You've, you've gone to the cigar production areas. Yeah. You've learned. You've done all that stuff. Give me one story that sticks out in your mind it's just like a really positive experience that you had because of your passion for cigars and well, it doesn't have to be associated with your brand it could be well, yeah. before whatever well i think i think one of the i mean uh, going to dominican republic i have i've got to sort of mingle and and, and you know, be in the same uh energy and, and, and area with a lot of different type of people uh, i talked about guillermo leon who's the head of la Oro, but on a bigger scale, he is, he's like the Don, whatever, in Dominican Republic and just what he does. But to see, okay, and I, you know, as an athlete and being able to play professional football, you put your, people put you on a scale, you put yourself on a scale of, you know, a professional this, that, and the other. And um, to see a guy, and I, I feel like I am, I'm humble and, and, and uh, you know, understanding that that's just a small piece of what I am about, but, um, to see guys like him who are, you know, they got so much going on. They, he's they, the uh, pro bowler of, of he cigars. Is, he is the, the commissioner. Uh, like, like he's, he's bigger than, than, than that. So, um, but to be able to see that he has a real subtle side to him and being able to be, you know, have a regular conversation and, and, and him just, just sort of take me in. And that's the biggest thing I would say. I think that's the most enjoyable thing that, that has happened with me is that, to go down there and they just like, we got you. Um, in a different country, different culture and everything. And they're like, you know what? You are, uh, and me and Manuel Noah always, he's like, hey brother, like that's, that's like my dude now. Like, you know, to, 
to see those two coaches come together and like I said from a common goal from a common uh, 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 you know denominator which is cigars um, I think that's been the most enjoyable is to be able to go to these different go to Nicaragua go to Honduras and go to these different spots and we're in a van with 12 different people whatever from all different parts but everybody is enjoying the moment because of this and and doesn't matter what your beliefs are at the time because a lot of that stuff stays out of it which is great sometimes because you still want to be able to you just get to know people you get to know people right regardless of all the other stuff where you get to know people and they get to know you and now you've developed a relationship with them just off of this one thing absolutely so the one thing that we haven't discussed, I don't think, I don't think we even said the name of your brand. So what's the name of your cigar brand? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the arrival. The arrival. The arrival. Yes, sir. And uh, we've got plenty of cigar smokers that are out there. Can they buy your cigar cigars online? Online, yes. Arrivalcigars.com. Uh, uh, I got three different Vitolas: uh, Robusto, Toro, Grand Toro. The blend is Ecuadorian wrapper and binder. Uh, Nicaraguan, Dominican, and Brazilian in the filler. Um, so a medium smoke, but um, they are able to get all three uh, sizes uh, online as well as uh, I do five packs online as well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, social media? Got- social media is The Arrival Cigars on Instagram, Arrival Cigars on Facebook and Twitter. And then my personal is Ken underscore Hamlin. All right. Well, if you're – see, you know what I love about cigars is that, like, it's a low barrier of entry. Right. Like, yeah, it, 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 you're probably going to smoke. A, you know, if you're if you're an avid smoker, how many cigars do you think you smoke a day? Oof. It's grown over time. OK, but what give me a rough uh, number, average from four. OK, so yeah. you smoke four a day. Yeah. Right. So if you smoke four cigars a day. Right. Which that, I don't know if that's a lot or a little. But, yeah. you know, if you're an avid, like you can I'm probably be modest, but, you know. No, I do the same. On a low scale, I would say for you. Actually, the other day, uh, we were talking with a counselor, a new counselor, right? And the counselor's like, how many drinks do you drink per day? And I said the real number. And my wife looked at me like, why are you telling her that, right? And then the counselor seemed all concerned. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I promise. Like, I don't know. Like, Trust me, I'm, I'm cool. not like, we, in fact, we're not supposed to be talking about this. Can we move on? I'm just, anyway, so I get it. So... The cool thing about cigars is that it's a low barrier of entry. So if you're into cigars, you should just pick up a pack. Yeah. Right. Check it out. Yeah. And then, you know, as he said, he applied, Ken applied his same commitment to excellence that he had when he was playing in the league to creating the cigar. So if you try and you don't like it, that's okay. Just don't buy it again. Yeah. Right. But at least give it a shot and don't look at it as this fly-by-night celebrity brand yeah, trying yeah. to money grab because he put in the work. Yeah. Right? Is that fair? That is beyond fair, yeah. Awesome. All right, so if you want more information about Bourbon Real Talk, you can get that at bourbonrealtalk.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube forward slash Bourbon Real Talk. And if you have any suggestions for future show ideas or anything like that, you can oh, yeah. submit them on the website. You can find my, my email address there. You can check out the shop. You can do all of that stuff. And I always end the show the same way, Ken. And it's going to get sad for a second. Uh-oh. But we're going to pull it back around. So, um, you know, we talked about, you know, helping people feel connected. But part of the reason why I wanted people to feel connected and part of the reason why I started the show was because I had a younger brother that served in the military and he took his own life in 2014. Wow. And he 
you know, that was very shocking to to me and my family. You know, we knew he had problems, but yeah. we just didn't know he felt that alone. And so if you're watching the show for the first time, understand that my channel is about helping people feel connected. Yeah. Right. And I realized that bourbon has the same sort of connected power as cigars. And I wanted to use that connected power to pull people together so that they would know that they weren't alone, so that they yeah. would know that they were loved. And I also noticed, especially through this last political cycle, that there was so much hate towards strangers online. Yeah. And the strange thing is, is that some of these people are showing hate towards one another. If they just sat down over a cigar or sat down over a glass of whiskey and had a normal conversation about understand. their kids or their job, they would be friends. Yep. But instead, they're telling each other, they're saying terrible things to each other. And so it made me realize that if these people can hate a stranger online that they've never even met in person, it's just as easy for me to love them. Yeah. Because if you can hate a stranger, you can love a stranger. Definitely. Okay. And so I always sign off all of my shows the same way, and that is this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk.